Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many more, and you can make money from your podcasts. It's everything you need to do to make a podcast in one place. So if you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Inspiring Growth, where we inspire growth with leaders and their organizations. I'm Mark P. Fisher. Thanks for joining us. And in the studios today, via Zoom from Salem, Oregon, is Mark Hunter. Mark is a husband, a father. He serves as the Director of Development with the Union Gospel Mission, a $7 million nonprofit in Salem, Oregon. And here's the deal, guys. I met Mark when he was looking for a speaker for his fundraising event called Hope has a new address. Yeah. I was so drawn to this idea. And that's one of the things we do at Inspiring Growth. We provide inspiring speakers who tell true stories of growth through struggle. And so we were able to place Ron Hall, the author of Same Kind of Different as Me, at their event. And as a result of that night, if I get it right, Mark, you and your team raised about $1.2 million. Is that correct? Exactly. Oh, boy. Okay. So on our podcast today, all Inspiring Growth listeners, we are going to explore three questions about that night, why, what, and how. So that's really what our listeners want to know. How do we replicate the amazing thing that you did? So thanks for being with me and our audience and inspiring growth. Welcome. Thanks for having me. We're glad to share the story. We, we want other people to experience the same success. It was just a phenomenal evening, a well-done event, and I'd be glad to share the, the pieces of, of how it all came together. Well, let's talk about what is your mission at the mission? Our mission simply is to break the cycle of homelessness through an experience, a relationship with Christ. That's the bottom line, and that's what we're trying to do is break that cycle. There's so many of our homeless, at least in our experience in Salem, that our chronic in chronically homeless, and they're always stuck in that cycle. So we're we're trying to break that cycle. We're trying to give them the opportunities to get out of that cycle, and we do that through all the services that we provide here at the mission. And it's interesting because you talk a lot about three things: hope being restored, lives being impacted, and community involvement. How do you measure each of those? Hope or the restored? Like, how do you measure that? What are the things that you measure? I think hope being restored, you see it most prevalent with us in our New Life Fellowship program, which is our recovery program for our homeless men and women that go through our mission. And that's how we, we measure real success is a long-term sustainable look, the impacts that we make on their lives. In our case, our mission, a year out of our program, our graduates are experiencing an 88% success rate. Only 12% are returning to the cycle. So we know that uh, once we can get them to the mission and get them into the system, into the programs that we provide, that we can give them hope. And it's an important thing. So 88% break the cycle of chronic homelessness. Is that what you mean? Yes. 88% of them are still employed, still have their own housing on their own. They're not relying on us. They're involved in a church. 
very key. That's a, a number one thing for us. They're involved in a church and they're still attached to their mentor. Mm-hmm. We have a mentor program that, that makes a huge difference. And that's how we connect with the community. One of the ways that we connect with the community is through our mentor program. So talk about that. Talk about how you connect with the community. I know you have over 1,300 volunteers and like 68 church partners and 8,400 donors. I mean, talk about that community and how you integrate those who are chronically homeless with those who live around them, their neighbors. I think that the main thing about Union Gospel Mission of Salem is we are dedicated to being community connected. And so we purposefully get out in our community and serve our community. Not only do we serve those homeless that are that are in need, that are broken, and that are looking for recovery services, but we also educate and serve our community in a way that helps in understand, have a broader understanding of what homelessness is. Once that understanding starts to kick in, it's just exponential in, in terms of the relationship, in terms of the ability to gain volunteers, donors, whatever the case may be. So it starts with community. We know that as a mission that we're not alone in this. We don't do this alone. We rely on the community support, whether it's any of those different entities. Maybe one of our listeners are inspired to want to do something outside of themselves and they want to volunteer, let's say at a rescue mission, whether it's in Salem or anywhere in the country. What are the qualifications for a volunteer to jump in and help at a rescue mission or homeless shelter like yours? In our case, we look at their heart. If they want to serve, then we want to try and help them find a place to serve. Secondly, I think that if you're interested in in volunteering at a a mission, come inside, Mm. just come inside, come in the doors. And we've learned that there's a fear for going into a mission. And in our case, we're in a downtown area and there's a little bit of a fear, but we're just asking you to come inside and Mm. see the heart that, that comes through that mission inspired by the men and the women that are there. Their Mm. stories are phenomenal. So come inside and learn about what it is that you can contribute, and then we'll help you match your passions with what you want to do. That's exactly what happened to me. I mean, I remember I wanted to experience a homeless mission from the inside, not just from a volunteer behind a table serving. So I actually dressed down, put everything away, showed up at a rescue mission one night, stood in line, and just spent the night there. Mm-hmm. And I remember distinctly standing in the line. There was probably you know, several hundred people waiting to get in for the evening meal and to spend the night. I felt a tap on my shoulder and I was going down the steps into what I presume was the dining room. And I turned around. There was a guy, African-American guy in his late 40s, I think. And he looked at me and he goes, what the hell are you doing? I think the way he said it was, what the hell is your honky ass doing in the ghetto? Mm. <laughs> And I just thought to myself, I didn't even know what to say. All right. And I just looked at him and said, I think the same thing as you. I'm looking for some food and a place to stay. And he goes, what you do? I didn't even know what to say. I said, I'm a storyteller. He goes, oh, what? <laughs> I said, I'm a storyteller. He goes, yeah. So I looked at him and I said, what's your name? And what do you do? And he goes, my name's Craig. And he looked around and got real quiet. And he goes, I'm a pharmacist. What you need? Uh-huh. Yeah. So Craig stayed with me the whole night, showed me the ropes, showed me all, everything that was going on. The next morning when we got up, he woke me up and he says, Mark, come on, we're going out and have a smoke and have breakfast. I'm going to show you the ropes. So we went outside and he sort of explained services and where you can go and what you can do. 
And I said, well, Craig, I want to tell you, I'm not only just a storyteller, but I also do a bunch of other things. And he goes, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. But the education I got that one night and then the hundreds and hundreds of men and women and hours that I've worked with folks like yourself, it's encouraging to know that Hope does have a new address and Hope has places and people like you. You, on an average year, shelter about I think, if I read correctly, 87,000 shelter nights. What's a shelter night? That's where there's one person seeking to get out of the weather or be inside. That's one unique bed that's filled each night over the course of a year. And you were talking about placing people in housing. Last year, 210 people were placed in housing and 170 clients found employment. I'd say those are measurable results for donor dollars. It is. It's a, a phenomenal result. Well, it's been said that money follows vision. Would you agree? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you're a man of faith and that you trust God for the results. But at the same time, you guys had a bodacious vision. (laughs) Tell us what that vision was that was a part of this $1.2 million. It's all centered around, Mark, that the hope has a new address vision. And our mission as it is now is in a, a building that's 75 years old. You can imagine that it's in bad shape and we're constantly repairing it. And as great a service as we provide in that old building, it's just becoming unserviceable anymore. So the the vision that the Lord gave us was, hey, let's give Hope a new address. Let's, Let's move Hope down the road. And we're only moving four blocks, just four blocks. But the difference it's going to make in the community is going to be tremendous. That's where the vision started. The Lord planted that seed in, in some board members 10 years ago, and we started working on it in earnest about 18 months ago to raise money for it. The total goal is $15 million. So the why behind trying to raise this money is that you've got a 75-year-old building that's just, you know, it needs to get torn down, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's the why. That's what's going on. And right. we now understand your mission and what you're doing in the lives of men and women who are struggling to gain employment. I want to add one more thing to the why, and that is that building that we're in, it used to be a retail store. So it wasn't designed for homeless sheltering. Building, the vision that God gave us, is a recovery engineered building. And that building will be able to do twice as much as we, we normally do at this stage. Once we had that vision in place, We took an annual event called Harvest Celebration, been an annual event for our rescue mission for about nine years. And at its height prior to this past year, it never raised more than $70,000. Hold on just a second. Annual event fundraiser, $70,000 is the norm. Is the norm, right. And we're talking about a $1.2 million night. Okay, keep going. Mm -hmm. But the vision of the new building, the new facility, combined with the fact that we have such a compelling story to tell our community, Hmm. combined with the fact that the business community really supports this move because it will help the downtown area become vibrant, Hmm. combined with the fact that we had an amazing speaker come in and tie all those together. It was just a phenomenal night. I will say that the credit for the event itself lies with the development team here. How many are on that team? The team has five of us, including myself. One particular person, Hannah, is our events coordinator. It was her event. Okay, so you would recommend anybody doing an event like this have an event coordinator? Absolutely. 
some people will hire consultants outside to do this right. and that's fine that's <laughs> great it works yeah. uh, we just happen to have a very talented person on our staff that okay. could handle the details and how far out did she start the plan the events in october but we started planning in january and it's an interesting story about how we landed on ron coming so we were sitting in a meeting and we were wondering how can we put this event over the edge? What's going to be the thing that's going to help this event really do what we want it to do? Our goal for this, Mark, our, our finance goal for this was 150000 Oh, goodness gracious. So we're sitting in this room saying, hey, how can we get, what can we do? Double last year. <laughs> yeah, to double last year and to get people in the room to fill the seats. What can we do? And I happened to be sitting there and next to my chair was my briefcase. And in it was uh, same kind of different as me that I was going to give to a donor later that day. And I pulled it out and I said, you know, I know uh, Ron does speaking. And I said, we can connect with him pretty easily through you. What about this? And people in the room said, yeah, we've read the book. They got excited. And so mm -hmm. that was kind of the genesis of reaching out to you and then reaching out to Ron uh, for the opportunity to have him come in. We wanted to maximize Ron's involvement in this, in this event. Mm. Um, and we did that by actually having two events in the same day. We did a luncheon and then we did an evening event, which we called our harvest dessert. There are a lot of simultaneous things that are going. One is being super organized and <laughs> we, we had the right staff to do that in getting the message out often and early that we had this guest speaker coming that had a very compelling story that, that was easily relatable to what we were experiencing in our own mission. Now let's um, break this down for a minute. So let's talk about the two events and let's talk about how you got the word out, as you said, often and early. The lunch had how many people? The lunch had 380 people attending. And who, who was that audience? One of the partnerships that we were trying to improve upon was our downtown business community. Okay, good. Because that's, that's where our homeless brothers and sisters yeah. hang out. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's where they hang out. And so we wanted to reach out to our downtown business community and say, how can we help you with this? We want to we teach you how to deal with this issue and help us work together on it. Mm. Uh, and so we needed an opportunity to communicate with them. So we decided to do a luncheon in the downtown area. And the unique thing about it, Mark, was that we held it in an old grand theater. Hmm. Uh, it was in a theater style seating uh, with a balcony, the, the old style balcony. Um, the, the theater had been there for a hundred years and it was called the grand theater, uh, oddly enough, but um, a classic event venue. Exactly. And, okay. and the great thing about that venue was there were several things going for it. One, it was right in the middle of town. The downtown business people didn't have to go find parking. They just walked. Uh, I remember clearly the day of the event. I walked outside the door after things started to, you know, that we got things set inside. And there was a line down the sidewalk, just like you would see in the old movies. And wow. It was, it was just, there was a hundred people in a line out on the sidewalk. But it, it just really lent itself to what we we're trying to accomplish. The other great thing about doing that in that way was that the expenses for that luncheon were a third of if we went to a convention center or to yeah. a, a large venue. 
Um, and it was just box lunches that were done by a local grocery store. They wow. picked their lunch. They sat at the theater seat and just like they were eating popcorn and watching the show, they were eating lunch and watching the show. Um, uh, it was very simple. Less is more. All we had was a, a, a viewing screen uh, curtained off and uh, a, a simple music stand as the podium. That was it. It was very simple. Less is more. And um, it brought people in. It brought the right people in. And, and uh, it was just, a, it was, if you will, the Holy Spirit was there in that meeting that day. And, and Ron's uh, tying us all together uh, just made a huge difference. We raised more in that lunch event than we had ever raised for this event in the past nine years. So these are business people. You're solving a problem for them. You're doing it in a unique venue. It's low cost. And you have Ron tell his story as an international art dealer who understood business. And so how much did you raise on that event? We raised at the luncheon $825,000. Oh, my gosh. Now, come on. When you guys added that up, you, you were shooting for a hundred and whatever, 70000 Yeah, uh, it, was, it was just like mind-blowing. But I, I will tell you, Mark, I, I mean, to, to be clear – we had some large major gifts come in at that luncheon. And that's when I'm talking about the simultaneous movement of preparing for this event. We were out meeting with key donors at the same time. Right. This particular donor, I knew we were going to get a sizable gift, okay. but I had no idea that it would be the amount that it was. Mm-hmm. And they told me afterwards, they said, this event just tied it all together for us. Mm-hmm. And we are doubling what we had planned to give. Wow. That event helped him make that decision. Now, they sat there as a couple uh, after the event and, and talked it over and made that decision to, to double what they were going to commit. Mm. So it's the power of the vision and the place and the people and the, and the story that comes all together. So the, all this hard work behind the scenes, it didn't just happen. I, I, I think all of us understand that. So, but there was something interesting about this particular donor they had kind of lapsed, hadn't they? They sort of were, mm-hmm. they had lapsed. And, and I talk about that idea of reengaging lapsed donors with a new vision. They had lapsed. They had lost touch with us, or we had lost touch with them, I should say. Um, and, and they had uh, a long history of volunteering at our mission. Okay. Serving food, mentoring, and, and all that type of thing. And for whatever reason, there mm-hmm. was a, a break for them. Sure. Uh, to to from the work at the mission and so it it did take uh reaching out finding the right person to reach out to them um and then beginning to unfold the new vision for them of Mm. what we could do more they understood the power of what we did Uh, i didn't have to to re-educate them about that but what we did need to share with them is the direction we're trying to take so we can serve more people and in a little micro event about this time last year, I asked a couple to host a small thank you luncheon, and that was their first re-entry into us, um, and mm. actually shared their testimony. And I was just blown away by their testimony mm. of their walk with the Lord and their involvement with Union Gospel Mission. And from that point, it was a matter of building that relationship back up to the point yeah. where they were willing to come to our event to support it. They brought a couple of their friends with them to be in the same row as them. 
Um, I know one of the unique things about the the theater was uh, we all know about table hosts and in recruiting mm-hmm. a table captain and they recruit a table. Well, we did the same thing in that theater, but we had aisle hosts. Nice. They, they would fill the aisle for us, and and so they brought extra people there, and um, you know it was just it was a lot of relationship building for about eight months going into that meeting. Uh, but the meeting made a difference in the size of the gift. So let's talk about that for a minute. Cause what I'm hearing you say is what inspired this doubling in generosity kind of had a backstory where life had happened, uh, leadership had changed and maybe a vision was lost in, in translation along the way. And you just said, Hey, I'd like to have a conversation. And in that conversation turned into a thank you thing where a story was told or they came to the luncheon. I think that's instructive for all of us who are leaders of organizations, whether it's for-profit or non-profit. There are people who have disengaged with us that would love to re-engage with us, but they need an invitation. They need a why. They need a personal relationship. We're not talking about emails here. Right. I'm sure this was not cultivated by emails. No, it was not. <laughs> so I just, I want to encourage folks, the inspiring part of, of Mark's story here is all about making a reconnection and reengaging and recognizing, hey, it's nobody's fault, it, right. but we do have a vision that, that needs support. Putting it in a theater like we did, in our case, I know it's not a unique new idea, but for our community, it was. Mm-hmm. And and. And there were people afterwards that said, well, I came because you're doing this in a theater and I wanted to see how you're going to facilitate this, not knowing that they were going to get, you know, blindsided by this phenomenal program. So So there was the mystery of that piece where, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, most people get banqueted to death. Yeah, they do. And so this this added this unique flavor to to the event. Did you get corporate sponsors to underwrite your costs beforehand? We did. We did. Okay. We had uh, we reached out to some key corporate sponsorships as as well as one of our key loyal donors to help underwrite uh, most of the cost of of having Ron be here with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those sponsorships are key. And yeah. Again, relationships, fundraising is relational. It right. really, really is. And you have to invest the time and effort in that. Uh, so we had uh, the luncheon event sponsored and the evening event sponsored uh, by uh, a group of sponsorships. So talk about the pitch to these people, individuals and companies. What did you say that made them say yes? Well, actually, we started off with uh, sharing our vision for this new building. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we had uh, the same kind of different book with us every time we met with somebody in a room and we shared the vision combined with the fact that, look, uh, this story captures so much of what happens in our own mission and we're going to combine the two. And uh, we know that it's going to be a a sellout crowd at both events. And it was, it it was a hugely popular event. So. And uh, what was the levels of commitment on your particular sponsorship or did you have levels? We did. Our main sponsor starts at $10,000. And it went uh, down to what number? $1,000. And total, how much did you total raise in that effort? About 70000 in sponsorships. So you raised the total amount from the previous year just in sponsorships to cover all we your did. costs. Okay. We did. Anything else you would like to say to someone who's thinking about putting on an event like this regarding corporate sponsors or individual sponsors? I think creativity. Hmm. 
I, I would say creativity. I think the the theater idea was a creative idea. It was different. It, it was something different for people to see. And I think our sponsors, you know, really uh, came alongside us because it was different. It was a yeah. different type of event, and and they wanted to be a part of it. Okay, take us to the second event. How many were at that? Where was that? And and who was that audience? That audience, uh, again, the the lunch event was primarily business owners. The, the evening event was targeted at our own family, if you will. Got it. It was very internal to our own family, uh, our loyal donors. Many people who had come to this event in previous years were there. Uh, and we, we used the, the, the tried and true formula of table captains to mm-hmm. fill the tables. And we had uh, 420 at that event. Okay. Again, that we maxed out the room. We weren't looking to, to, to get... 2,000 people in front of Ron, we were looking to get the right donors at the mm-hmm. right time in front of Ron. Um, and so we had 420 at the evening event. Again, just the dessert. Um, and, and there was uh, each table is preset with desserts and and we let uh, people barter for the dessert they want. So they trade at the tables and it's a, it's a fun little activity. Mm. Um, but we opened with a powerful video by one of our uh, our graduates from our program uh, who did a, a, a video recording called Stronger Stuff, which is basically Christ has stronger stuff that helps you get through these things. Uh, she, she was our MC for the evening. She started the meeting. Uh, she helped end the meeting and do some of the in-between stuff. I think so often we rely on the quote-unquote professionals to mm-hmm. help facilitate the meeting. Um, the professionals, meaning people in my role, our executive director or our board chair. Well, we look to our programmers, to our graduates who had experienced life change, transformation, and we put them front and center. And the whole evening was built around our graduates. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did uh, uh, cardboard testimonies near the end, right before they ask. The idea is that uh, they get on stage, they're singular on stage with the spotlight on them. One side of the cardboard says how they were broken. And during their time on stage, they flip it over and how they recovered in their relationship with Christ. So all they did one at a time. So like I've seen on one side, they stand there very solemn, abused, turning the card over, healed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a powerful visual, especially when it's true. Yeah, and it's and it's our, our graduates. We had uh, twenty of our graduates do this over the course of a song. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it was just a fun, phenomenal closing after a very inspirational talk. It, it was after Ryan. It was right right before the ask. Okay. So we had this build up to that point of the ask, and then we had uh, our director of ministries and one of our board members make the ask together. Okay. Uh, not, not one person, but together. And, mm. and they really had some compelling stories and touched them. You know, it was about a three minute ask. That's all it was. And, and the rest they say is history. Yeah. From the, the dinner, we raised over 300,000 from that event alone. Mark, if you'd be kind enough to send me copies of your invitation and your program so that I can have those as something people can look at Absolutely. for inspiration, that'd be awesome. So inspiring growth listeners, we'll figure out how to post that for your viewing. But talk about the follow-up. What did you do to follow up to say thank you and so forth? Well, of course, they get the traditional acknowledgement letter. 
But Mm -hmm. with all of our participants there that night, they got a personal note from somebody on my staff. Um, We kind of split that up and and wrote out personal thank you notes to anybody, regardless if they gave or not. You know, those events have a lot of people that actually don't give, but you still need to relate with those folks. You still need to, to reach out to them. So we gave them a, a, the acknowledgement letter. A week later, another thank you card went out from members of my staff uh, with a personal thank you. Uh, and then uh, all the table captains got a personal thank you at their place of work and or at their home from Hannah. Uh, she had some uh, little giveaways uh, that she had prepared for our table captains to reach out to them and especially share with them. And, and then about six weeks later, we sent out a recap, uh, kind of a newsletter type of thing, uh, email and snail mail, uh, just saying, this is what happened that night. Wow. Thanks to you, we're a, a million in, in $1.2 million closer to our goal for, for building a new mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lots of follow-up. Uh, st- it's still a buzz in town. The, the buzz has been phenomenal. Uh, People really, really uh, have talked about that night uh, in, in how phenomenal it was and how simple it was. We mm. didn't go ornate. We went simple. Um, and we had a simple story to tell in Ron's story, uh, but they're still talking about it. Yeah. Union Gospel Mission did the, the best event ever that we've, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's, that's uh, great to be acknowledged that way, but we know it was for the Lord. Well, it's interesting because what what we do uh, is we raise awareness and money for a vision that matters, and 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 that ripple effect, the awareness, the 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 credibility, that warm sense of, uh, especially for business leaders, uh, having run businesses for you know my professional career, when when a nonprofit shows themselves to be uh, creative. Uh, inspiring, engaging, all of a sudden, I feel good. I want to be involved, just like that electric company has right. been involved. I mean, I, I just love that that ripple effect that's happened in Salem. That's just, that's so, so encouraging. Talk about the messaging early and often. What were the things you guys did? The messaging was all centered around Hope has a new address and the fact that uh, we have a compelling need for a new building in recovery engineering. Uh, of course, we we married that up with the promotional materials that you provided for Ron uh, and promoted him through uh, newsprint. Uh, he jumped on the radio station with us for an interview. Didn't we do a video for you at a convention or something? Yeah, I was just going to say. Did you use that? We, you grabbed my phone and you did this short video that we just wore out. <laughs> we, we, we came back from that conference and we showed it to our staff as a way to introduce to them who was speaking at our thing. Oh, and, good. And it just, that just rippled in and of itself. But mm. every time we sent out an email about this event, we attached that video to it. Let me just tell folks what that meant. So uh, Mark and I were at a convention of, of, of a thousand people that, that uh, work in the homeless space, the uh, home, those experiencing homelessness, abuse, addiction, and recovery. And we were, I don't even remember what city we were in. Where were we? Milwaukee. Milwaukee and Mark walks by and Ron and I are standing there and I was like, Hey, can we help promote your, your event at all? And you were like, I guess maybe something. I was like, let me have your phone. So then we just did this, you know, total, 
natural normal yeah. impromptu thing with Ron talking and and uh, just gave your phone back and off, off you went. So I'm glad yeah. to hear it worked. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was it was probably the most uh, uh, used little snippet that that we used to promote this event because we could send it email, we could send it any way, we could show it in front of a group of people, uh, you know, and it was it was huge. Uh, That's great, you know. So. So you were using relationships, you did professional pieces, you did email, you did video, uh, you did Facebook. I know on your Facebook page, you had the event and then the same kind foundation linked to it. So that cross promoted anything else you did to fill the room. Going back to the luncheon, one of the things that we did is we we wanted to speak uh, in a more intimate setting to some of the downtown business leaders. Okay. So we had a luncheon before the luncheon and, and there's a like you a, do. Yeah, a beautiful restaurant. Yeah, beautiful restaurant downtown called Ritter's, and they hosted us of about, and it was eighty key business leaders in mm. Salem, and we told them our story, but we also said we want your help to fill the Grand Theater. Ah, so you and wow, so that's great. from that meeting, we were able to recruit some of our row captains, and they filled the row for us. So, and they were key people in, in getting the, the grand theater full. And we now, showed, we showed the, the trailer for the movie at that luncheon, that pre-luncheon. We talked about Ron being there and, and, uh, they, they helped that helped fill the room as well. Let me clarify. Now the trailer, you used the faith sizzle reel that also had interviews with the, uh, actors and actresses, right? We did. Okay. So that, that's a compelling piece that folks use. Did you charge people to be in the luncheon? No. Okay. So you got your 70,000 in advanced donations to cover costs. You filled that with 350 people that netted uh, $800,000. You did a meeting before the meeting. Then you had table hosts for your evening meeting. I mean, Ron spoke. I mean, that boy almost had laryngitis at the end of the, <laughs> you know, he was uh, engaged with it. So any last words of advice? Cause I can only imagine I mean, suppose, if, you know, a nonprofit leader says, hey, will you have coffee with me and ask, how did you raise that one point two million dollars in a night? Is there anything else you would add to to say to those leaders who are thinking, I want to make a difference in my city? In our case, we started by going to the Lord with this. Uh, number two is to have that compelling uh, program. In our case, that was Ron Hall. Um, I think that was very important. I, I think one of the key things we did with Ron that was important was we gave him a tour of our mission mm. in the morning before he spoke. And that allowed him to get a feel for us. Um, but I, I think it's great to bring in guest speakers, but they have to have that capacity to tie their story in with you and relate to the local community. You know, yeah. we brought in Ron Hall, he's from Texas. He's an outside person. He's not from our community. But Ron had that ability to relate to that crowd. And his story made sense to them because it's our story. Um, so that's important to, to manage that. You have to manage that. Um, and I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, getting out in front of the event and, and making sure your promotions are solid, um, that you have a compelling statement to, to make in front of the community, it just helps fill the room. Hope has a new address. That is compelling. Again, relations begin outside of the event, not at yeah. the event. Right. 
you know, bring those relationships to the event. Don't, don't use the event as your starting point. Use it as the ending point. Well, folks, you have just had a masterclass on raising $1.2 million by a man who led a team with a vision that hope has a new address. If you have not yet read the book, Same Kind of Different as Me, it's available at the samekindfoundation.org website. You can get an autographed copy of that there. You can also request to have Ron speak at any of your events on the samekindfoundation.org website. And if you haven't seen the movie, Same Kind of Different as Me, you can watch that on Netflix tonight uh, if you'd like. It's available with an award-winning cast of Jaiman Hunsu, Renee Zellwinger, Greg Kinnear, John Voigt, Olivia Holt. It's a compelling two-hour distillation of a credible true story about an international art dealer millionaire who cheated on his wife and he was thrown together in an unlikely pair with a homeless ex-con named Suicide. Same kind of different as me. Well, Mark, thank you for being with us and thank you for sharing your story. I hope your story inspires others to grow their mission and organization as well. And, and as like, I like to say about this whole idea, read the book, see the movie, meet the man. It's a powerful formula of raising money and awareness for your mission as well. Mark, thank you again. Thank you.